Our post-show recaps coverage of The Walking Dead, Season 10, Episode 18, is brought to you by our friends over at GEICO. You own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. The Walking Dead, Season 10, Episode 19, One More, is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Yes, it is one more Walking Dead podcast getting you through this little batch of filler as we look ahead to Season 11. This week, we're going to be talking about Father Gabriel. We're going to be talking about Aaron. We're going to be sitting down, um, having a little chat about Game of Russian Roulette, I imagine, but you know, I... I thought about bringing a bottle of $2,000 bourbon to the table to talk about this, but all I got is some two-buck chuck. I don't think it matters. Here's Chappelle. Hello, Chappelle. (laughs) No, you're right. It does not matter, Uh, Jess. I'm happy to be here uh, without the $2,000 whiskey, but I mean, I would drink it regardless. Two-buck chuck is fine with me. so I'm happy to be here. I I enjoyed what this episode gave us, kind of. I'm disappointed in content, but it was an entertaining episode of television, so I'll take it. But I don't know if it moves the story or the needle on The Walking Dead at all. So that's where I am right now. And I guess we could talk through it a little bit, but that's how I feel. I'm just kind of like, it was fine. Yeah, well, you made you made the point before we started recording that we're talking about bottle episode after bottle episode after bottle episode. And I think what we're learning from this exercise is that we don't want every single episode to be a bottle episode that doesn't further the plot. It's like eating dessert for every meal. Like the first couple of times you're like, yeah, this is an interesting exercise. I like it. And then like the third time you get a creme brulee put in front of you, you're like, Oh, okay. This again, can I have some vegetables? Yeah. Or or give me some meat for what, you know, like this is a lot of like topping. It's a lot of, you know, fluff and frosting and all this other stuff and it just shows us it enhances what we know about some of the characters but is it going to matter it's kind of like giving us a backstory about someone who dies in the next episode like okay thank you but if they're gone then what difference does it make and for for these people i think we know that they're not going to die in the next episode but is any of the information that they're that they're using to humanize or to you know like it make these characters more endearing to us at this point is it doing anything at all for what we already knew as The Walking Dead? And I don't think that they are. I think these episodes are just like Father Gabriel struggling with his faith. Well, duh. Like, who wouldn't be in a zombie apocalypse? You know, whether you're a pastor, a preacher, or, you know, a nun, whoever, anybody could struggle with their faith in a time like this. So this is not a, a revelation of any kind. This is just like, oh, okay. A thing that happened to, to Father Gabriel. And Aaron was there too. You know, it was, I was just like, thank you? Question mark? I'm not sure. One more thing. <laughs> one more thing. Like, like if you didn't already know this man was struggling with his faith, you do now, but you should have already known it because he's been here forever. So I don't know. It was, again, it was entertaining in a bottle, but I would like to open the bottle at some point and get into the <laughs> nitty gritty of things. Yeah, well, I think that's a really good point you're making, Chappelle, is that when you are 10 seasons into a show 
and you've been with these people for a decade, there comes a point where you can't just give them a bottle episode to reveal some new inner truth about their character because we know them really, really well. And I appreciate that we are kind of in this liminal space where nothing that happens in these episodes is going to matter ultimately because we just lift them right out of the continuity. And it's like, maybe we are better people for having seen them, but it's not going to affect our knowledge of the universe once season 11 starts back up. But where that could give you some interesting space to play around, you really can't get away with just like giving somebody a character episode because they've already had a few of those along the along the 10 years that we've been at this. And yeah, for Father Gabriel, it's like seven years and Aaron is like six, I think. Mm-hmm. But that's a long time. We know these people for ages now. And, you know, we sat through we sat through the long stretched out time space. Fuckery. I'm going to have to bleep that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> of, of the Negan War. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, we did not, yeah. um, you know, we, we learned all the things we're going to learn about them. And I see part of the things that I liked about this episode were that this was extremely well written, especially like, I mean, Latter Day Walking Dead has been great in the writing department, but this is extremely well written because these are characters that they know so deeply and intimately. They know how they're going to react and they this feels real in a way that the characters didn't feel real for a really long time, this universe. But at the same time, I don't think it revealed anything new. It just showed that we are, you know, this is a playground we're familiar with and we can craft interesting conversations with the things that we have. Yeah. I, and yeah, I agree with you on the, on the writing because I know normally you and I will start talking about episodes of the walking dead. And then by the end of our discussion, we have rewritten the episode. But I will yes. say this, that this episode was borderline predictable, honestly. There was a few things that like kind of caught me off guard. But once the dialogue and the interaction started, yeah, no, it was well written because I had no suggestions. Like I was kind of thinking like, oh, he's probably going to say this next. And then he did. So in a, in a way, you know, it's predictable. But at the same time, it, it went on brand with what I knew about the characters. Um, I knew Father Gabriel was going to eventually drink that alcohol. <laughs> I don't care if he wanted to, you know, keep it or whatever. I knew that alcohol was gone and I knew Aaron was going to push for it, you know? And so <laughs> in, in moments like that, yeah, it was refreshing because it was like two characters that I know are doing things that I know them to do. Uh, however, you know, was it the most entertaining? No, not really. It was entertaining for them. Yes. But for in the grand scheme of things, maybe not so much. It, these episodes are starting to feel like webisodes or like shorts <laughs> or something, you know, like where the clips don't really matter. It's not quite canon. It's canon, but it can, it's lifted, like you said, from the universe. So if you skipped all of this, it wouldn't, you know, drive the story any other way in your mind. The narrative is still the same. So had you missed the last three episodes, I doubt that anything we've recently learned as maybe, maybe with the exception of Daryl's, uh, you know, girlfriend that may or may not come back. Uh, I doubt any of it has any large impact on the show moving forward. And so, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, it's interesting to look at and to try to kind of come to terms with, I guess for me. Yeah. It, it is. And, um, yeah, I think the only useful thing we've learned in these three episodes is that, um, Daryl wasn't completely celibate for an entire decade. And I'm super, 
I'm super okay with learning that, but I don't know if it makes me a better person or furthers my understanding of The Walking Dead to know that. Um, and I think that not just the people that we, not just the way we know the people better, uh, makes it hard to break new ground and tell new stories in this universe. I think it's also like just the overarching theme. There's lots of interesting directions you can go in a zombie apocalypse. I think we were happy with we were happy with Walking Dead Muppet Babies. We were happy with Fear the Walking Dead this past season, which was also kind of glorified bottle episodes. Let's not mm-hmm. get it twisted. But I think they were trying to lean too heavily on some themes that they have all but ignored for many, many seasons. And to come back to these themes again didn't land as hard as it could have because we've spent basically all but the first like four or five episodes of this entire series treating the walkers like meat and not thinking about everybody in the world died and that was messed up and we should be sad and grieving about this. Like, I think the last time we really reckoned with this was the green farm where they were keeping all their friends in a barn, hoping that Mm -hmm. they could cure them. And we've talked about this um, across the seasons of podcasting that people probably let the zombie apocalypse spread faster than it would have because if it's your mom coming up to you and she has the zombie virus and she's trying to eat your brains, you're not going to have the wherewithal to stab her in the head. And these are human beings. And anytime somebody treated them like a human being past like season three, it was like, oh, they're weird. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something not right with them. But now we're coming back to this like there's a lot of death and we've seen – You know, we walk past this touching scene of these three skeletons embracing in a field all charred and we're supposed to be sad about this. But, you know, we've just seen a whole a whole field full of dead corpses with guts spilling out all over the place. How is that different? And I guess these are supposed to be emotionally resonant things that lose their emotional resonance because we've been marinating in this stew of zombie parts for an entire decade. Yeah, I I agree. And and I think it it hits those notes, you know, like it does like give you the like these aren't zombies, like these people that were burnt to the stake that we mm-hmm. we come up on a couple of funeral pyres, you know, mm-hmm. but these people who were burnt at the stake, you you get the idea that these were people because they they are like burnt and loving embrace a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, like we see people like on a mattress, like h- almost hugging each other, um, or you know even when they were burned in the field, it looks like they were on top of each other almost to the point. So we don't like it kind of humanizes them in that way, whereas the normal zombies are just like you said, blood yeah. and guts is everywhere. You know, and zombies so, kind of don't do that. Right, and then we even see a couple of them uh, chained to things on the roof where. Well, we don't know who chained them up there. We, I mean, we can, by the end of the show, we have some thoughts of who could have. Um, but you know, we, we see that these people might have died from other causes as opposed to like getting mangled and, you know, beat, like, um, I guess eaten by the zombies. It looks like a few of them have died, um, by either natural causes or, you know, the zombie stuff or, you know, people mm-hmm. have gone and put them out of their misery and burned them. Uh, and so who knows what's ha- happened. But yeah, this was the first time we've seen almost like, like human style funerals as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, you know, zombie becomes us first and then, and then they die. So yeah, it was interesting to look at. Um, and I, I did feel away. I guess it, it, it did strike the notes that I thought it was going to strike, but it is hard to get me back in a place where I really, really care. And mm-hmm. like, at no point was I like, are we going to find these people? Do the bodies have a name? I was just like, Oh, that was sad. You know? And then it went on. Um, what I am noticing though, is that 
the zombies are a lot less frightening to some people at this point. Like at no point do I feel like Father Gabriel and Aaron actually feel like they're afraid of the zombies, right? They're mm-hmm. cautious of them in a way that you would be cautious of like a big dog, you know, like or like like a a, a beehive or something, you know. Uh, like we jump back from them, but we know like okay, we just have to get them out of the way. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Sometimes they're humanized, and then sometimes they are just you know fodder almost for this bigger storyline, which. In common times, it's not so big. The storyline's actually kind of small right now. So it was, it's it's everywhere for me. But again, I enjoyed the content that they gave us in a bu- in a bottle or a bottle for that matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it it is worth noting that it literally opens with a shot of us looking at the flowers. So that's the place they're trying to bring us to. Yeah, and that was a, a touching moment, right? Like, look at the flowers is like another really human moment. Or, or seeing somebody dehumanized in that moment, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and so like, this brings us back to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to remind us, like, and especially like the flowers immediately getting splattered with gore as if Carol was standing behind you shooting a child. But um, yeah, it, I, I knew that was kind of where they were going to go, like this kind of meandering meditation on grief for the first little bit. And of course, it's worth noting like Father Gabriel and Aaron are both parents at this point and so that stuff's going to hit them a little bit harder um to see like the the families of people that have died together and not become walkers and you even get like um I'm going to bring up Titanic again as a matter of fact, Ooh. Chappelle, because yes. when they're up on that rooftop and they see those two skeletons cuddling, that is totally a callback to the Isidore and Ida Strauss scene in Titanic. Oh, I thought you were going to say this was a callback to, uh, you know, thinking that you can fit someone else on your floating device and then not actually pulling them up there. I was like, Jack got Jack did not get the same uh, the same comforts that this couple managed to to pull out uh, on top of the roof. And then you have to question, would he have fit on that door or not? Not to spoil Titanic, but we'll probably put that in the show notes as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That we've spoiled that for you. If you are a first time listener or a watcher of the Titanic. Yeah, don't hold that against us. But yeah, I thought about that as well. I was like. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a big piece of ice there. We we don't have to get into it, but yeah, I I noticed that as well. It was very much a callback to the you know people you know having their yeah. I, like I said, it kind of looked like a loving embrace to me, mm-hmm. uh, where people were dying in each other's arms almost. And so yeah, it was uh, again. Yeah. I guess the only word I can come up with is interesting because it was kind of like hmm, that's a thing that happened. Yeah, but I guess it, we care it, now. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't do anything for me to really get my juices going. You know, so I don't know. Yeah, Fine. and it's it's also interesting juxtaposing these emotional moments that are affecting Father Gabriel and Aaron with Father Gabriel coming into this episode being kind of over everything. Like, he's completely done with everything. He's, and yeah, almost everything. Yeah. He, he, just he seems wants to, to be obsessed with... Yeah, he just wants to find food, right? Yeah. That's, that's his thing. He, he wants um, to do one more case before they retire, basically. Yeah, except, and it's like, uh, he's like a little kid. Just one more, just one more. We can do one more. Can we do two more? Can we do two more? Okay, last one. Last one before bed, you know? Um, His obsession with this map that he is using, first of all, this is Maggie's map. Mm-hmm. And it's just so he so that he can follow food sources and find food sources and, you know, tick them off of his list. And it looks like Aaron uh, is, you want to talk about over it? Aaron is over his, mm. he's sick of his shit. Okay. He's done yeah. with him. He's like, Father Gabriel, come on, man. Like, we're tired of looking at and Father Gabriel's so engulfed with this map that he is he's doing the thing where you text and you walk and you walk into like a construction site. He's walking and he's looking at his map and then boom, he's in the mud 
like covered in it from head to toe. Father Gabriel, what is on that map that is so like enthralling to you that you can't even look up for two seconds in a zombie apocalypse? You would think your eyes would always be open um, so you don't walk up on something trying to destroy you. But lo and behold, he did. Yeah, I mean, there's something that they know, too, because we watched them literally five minutes before take a kitchen timer and throw it into a field to wake up all the zombies before they went in the field. So they yeah. know these things. It's just is sloppy work. And once again, for two weeks in a row, we have to reiterate, if you have a paper copy of something and it's your only copy, keep it in your pocket. If you're walking through mud, keep it in your pocket. And also, mark your trails with blazes and stuff. Don't just rely on your own footprints. Come on, this is Bush League. You guys are supposed to have survived in the zombie apocalypse for a decade now. You should know this stuff. We've been with them for at least 10 years. (laughs) Like, we've Mm -hmm. been with them forever. Like, come on, man. Like, Gabriel, come on. Figure it out, man. Figure it out. You know, look at the map. Get an idea of which direction you're going, then go. This this staring at it and you falling into a hole. What part of the game is that? I mean, we are this like you said, this is not like this is not like the beginner. This is not walking dead world beyond where you're just learning the ropes. Like, no, we came here for business and you're not handling business like I would expect. It starts to rain. You fall in the mud. There are tons of reasons why you should not have this map out just all willy-nilly, but Lo and behold, this is what you decide to do. And I'm with Aaron. I'm sick of it as well. Do better. Yeah. I, it's it's kind of upsetting, like, how bad they are at stuff like this. And, you know, I was prepared to come in here and give them credit for that kitchen timer thing. It was, was like cool. in the Yeah, in the first few seasons, we would see people occasionally use light and sound to harness walkers or they would weaponize walker parts. Like, you just have, like, a your weapon could be a bunch of chomping heads. And it's great. And I love that. Like, I thought the wolves in particular were revolutionary in this regard. They had, like, trucks full of zombies, and they'd lure them into the trucks with lights and music, and then they'd drive around and herd them. And thought, that's great. Why isn't everybody doing this? You know, walkers defy the law of physics. You don't have to feed them. Get them walking on a treadmill to generate electricity for your compound. Why isn't anybody doing that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought they would have a lot of this stuff figured out at this point. They should not still be falling into traps where things can grab them by the ankles. Yeah, and these are like legitimate like walker traps like these things are almost brainless and they were they managed to catch you so like imagine if i don't know some grizzled old character you know in a in a in a uh like bunker decides to come up on you and decides to make you play russian roulette then what do you do um so yeah if they were more prepared for like in general then this would be going better for them uh I did. I did notice the with the timer thing. I thought that was pretty cool. I know The Walking Dead is very much a you know like this episode kind of came off like the video game to me, right? Like if you're Father Gabriel, the playable character, this is mm-hmm. one of his scenes where he gets a lot of the character growth and you learn about his backstory. Mm-hmm. And he has his like his timer is one of his like usable techniques. He also <laughs> has, comes across a bunch of Bibles, and those are obviously a power up for him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about that while I was watching. I said, "Oh, look, he found a Bible." And then when there was pages ripped out of it, I thought, "Oh, that's gotta hurt from a from a, from, a, from a religious man's point of view, finding like religious texts being you know desecrated." You probably didn't love that. But then when he finds the whole slew of Bibles, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is he's definitely leveled up at this point." <laughs> and yeah. he kind of did in this episode. Father Gabriel did what needed to be done on several occasions, um, and I was happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, he is a character who's had a really interesting trajectory when you think of, like, what a 
horrible person he was when we first met him and like how much he would just like sacrifice everybody else for his own betterment. Like how he let his entire congregation die so that he could have a couple more cans of beans. And now like, there's no doubt you sit him down in that Russian roulette game, you know, he is not going to point the gun at anybody but himself. And you just know that. And you know what a badass he has become and, and how much he has changed and evolved over time. And again, it speaks to, you know, what's, what he's going to do in any given situation. And the writing on this is so tight that there's not even room to debate it. Uh, And so in that regard, that is kind of interesting to watch and to reflect on it. Um, And there's certainly the direction on this episode. There's, it's amazing to me that we can still watch people on this show poke around in a dark building and feel like something might happen to them at any given moment. Mm-hmm. And this was different too. They, they, we're used to things happening to them, but this was kind of new, right? Yeah. It seemed like, I mean, don't get me wrong. We do the, the bait and switch a little bit like on the walking dead, just in general on the franchise, like mm-hmm. they go to a place that they think it's safe. And then by the morning they find out, Oh no, it was not safe. Whether they wake up and someone's dead or wake up and the walkers have infiltrated and they got like three seconds to get out or they wake up and the big bad is standing right there, you know, trying to turn them into taxidermy in um, certain situations. And so, uh, yeah, this was like a typical format for one of these discovery type episodes. But I think it was really well done. And so what we see is them, what, coming into, was it a warehouse? What was this building that they were in that they found? I thought it was like a Costco, maybe, because it said like Mart on the front of it, but it didn't look like a store store. It had like the Costco pallets. So I think that's what it was, like some sort of big box store anyway, which, by the way, this is my zombie apocalypse strategy. For sure, I'm going to move into Costco. Got to. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, Walmart. Like, like yeah. if you can't manage a Costco, then yeah, Walmart. But you want to go someplace where supplies are almost unlimited and where ammunition is there as well, um, yeah. depending on which state you're in. <laughs> and so, um, and since them being in the South, I assume ammunition is there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, I thought this was a great spot for them. Um, even watching Father Gabriel kind of dig around and, and wondering what would pop up next. You know, I was like, oh, well, if they're in like a big superstore, then it could be anything. Uh, and I saw the look on his face when he found that box and he's like <laughs> digging around in it and he just gets like this huge grin. It looks like it's Christmas Day, <laughs> only to find out that it's a $2,000 bottle of, uh, of whiskey. I yeah. was very pleased. I, it was relatable. <laughs> yeah, very relatable. Um, and I, I think one of the things I was not expecting for them to find, like you knew there was going to be like some kind of evil presence that was going to endanger them, I was not expecting it to be a wild boar. That that was new. Uh, yeah, I was shocked. I had to rewind it several times because. Okay, so for the people who aren't paying that close attention, let me like paint a picture for you of what happens. Aaron is trying to get into this this room, but he hears sounds. And so he's like, hey, is anybody in there? I'm a friend trying to get in. Father Gabriel's off like finding alcohol, you know, <laughs> giving you big Bob vibes or whatever. And again, <laughs> I relate. And oh, Bob. Yeah, and then he hears Aaron screaming. So I'm like, okay, whatever is in the building has got Aaron. He's fighting for his life. Father Gabriel bursts in. He sees Aaron standing over a dead animal, like a wild animal that is in the in, on the ground, like covered in blood. Um, and he just starts to laugh. <laughs> and Father Gabriel laughs from his belly. I mean, he has a good chuckle at Aaron's defense. I mean, at uh, expense. And I'm sitting there rewinding the episode, trying to figure out what was so funny. Because I'm like, the man was just attacked by a wild boar. 
and killed him with his ball hand, you know, and was his spike ball hand? Yeah, he killed him with his spike ball hand. And Father Gabriel thinks this is the funniest thing in the world. I don't think that's funny. I don't want to be attacked by a wild boar. Okay, I know why he thought it was funny. Explain. And I- <laughs> because he's because Aaron screamed like a girl when the when the wild boar attacked him. That it's was a wild boar. Literally all it was. And you know, I was watching it. And I'm like, I don't think I've laughed that hard at anything in my life. And then right before we got on here, Chappelle actually made me laugh that hard. So Thank I guess that's you. over. Yes, I can't tell congratulations. You why, can't tell yeah. you why. Um, yeah. So I think it was literally all it was was that Aaron screamed like one of those like screaming goats, and mm-hmm. it was funny to Father Gabriel. Because he's never heard Aaron scream like that. And uh, yeah, or maybe it reminded him of that old meme about the 30 to 50 feral hogs. But I think it was the <laughs> firm, former. Yeah. And I guess that is kind of funny if you think about it in a world where they're literally zombies and people shooting at you all the time. The one thing they got Aaron to scream like a girl, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is a wild boar. You know, it's kind of like uh, the biggest guy in the room being afraid of the mouse. You know, mm-hmm. he has it like, like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and so I was, I just couldn't find the, the, the comedy in it. Cause for me, there's no world where a wild boar approaches me and I don't too like scream at, like that as well. Like yeah. my voice is going to raise an octave and I am going to holler for my life as I try to defend myself against this wild animal. Father Gabriel, you're a jerk. <laughs> Let's just call <laughs> it what it is. Stop being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, Aaron just did you a solid, man. You guys have food now. He killed this thing you can eat. Although, I don't know, I would have been, I would have been off pork forever after season three, but that's just me. It ended up killing the entire prison population that the governor didn't kill. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but they, they got their wild boar and I've eaten wild boar. It's pretty good. Not going to turn that down. No, not at all. And you know, Father Gabriel, his, his, his seems like his motivation this whole episode was finding food. Mm-hmm. So mission accomplished. There you go. Yeah. He shouldn't be, shouldn't be so hard on Aaron because Aaron <laughs> just brought him the, literally the thing he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then of course they have a good meal and they play some cards and they drink some booze and they get very, very drunk, which doesn't seem like a good idea in the zombie apocalypse. I think like you have to, there's two of you, one of you gets to get drunk and the other one's got to be the buddy. Yeah, I would never be the buddy in that situation. I am always 100% the one getting drunk in that moment. Life is hard right now. Aaron literally had to look at Gabriel and be like, sir, father, please. <laughs> it's Times is hard. I know this is a $2,000 uh, like bottle. I get it. But also, we've almost died like 12 times a day and I just got attacked by a boar. Give me the liquor. Give it to me now. So... I, I'm with Aaron on this one. You got to drink it. You got to yeah. drink it now. Father Gabriel, you're a man of the cloth. You don't have to do nothing. You can stand there and watch. You can be the guy with the with the gun. You're the buddy. I'm Aaron. <laughs> We're yeah. drinking today. <laughs> well, and also, he just laughed at me for 15 minutes straight. I need a drink because of that. Mm-hmm. I feel humiliated. I need some. I need something to make me feel better. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but they get they get drunk together and we get this very moving story about Father Gabriel. Um Learning that um, true ministry is in talking to people at their level, I guess. I don't know that that gives us much more about Father Gabriel that we didn't already know, because I feel like that's his entire, like, that's the whole reason they let him continue to be a priest in the zombie apocalypse is because this is what he does. Yeah. But. Yeah. And no, no, that makes sense. I think the one thing that we're supposed to take from this story 
uh, because like you said, we already knew that is that mm-hmm. now Father Gabriel gets drunk and he says things that he might may or may not mean in saying, what was it, that uh, all humans are bad and that we are mm-hmm. the outliers to that? <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, pastor. You know, I wasn't expecting that one. But um, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's the revelation, right? Because we already knew that Father Gabriel, he, yeah, that's what he does. He talks to people on their level. He's a, he's a, a priest and he's meeting people at, uh, you know, and talking to them and ministering to them to, to an extent, uh, in his new role in the apocalypse. And that is something we know, but something we did not know is that he was completely jaded by his, <laughs> by, and his, uh, by humanity and that alcohol would bring that side out of him. And it comes back to, to bite him in the end. My question is, did he mean it right? When he said it, did he mean it or did he just say it because he was drunk? Well, I think he must have meant it on some level because you do see him kind of jaded at the beginning of the episode, even though he wants to check out like the next food source. You do see him looking like he's pretty well over it. And then the fact that Aaron mentions that Father Gabriel is not preaching anymore. And I think that's your big clue that he really does mean it because, you know, he could be continuing to be like bright, sunny Father Gabriel teaching people about hope and love, but he's not doing that right now. Even though, you know, in the zombie apocalypse, he's probably got the best situation of just about anybody, you know. He gets to do his old job, didn't have to learn how to be a carpenter or anything like that. He has a family. He has, you know, he's a new father, kind of, sort of, in his, in his, like, triad of, (laughs) or quartet, or however many dads this kid has. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess some of them are no longer with us, but, you know, he's raising a daughter, He's got a, he's got a family. He's living in a pretty well provisioned area. They just beat out a bunch of really terrible villains and they can go back to normal. And he's like, no, we're not going back to normal. I'm tired of this. This is, we've just fought yet another set of villains. And you know, it's just going to keep happening because we're in season 10 of this bullshit. And I think it makes perfect sense that, you know, he's not preaching. He means every word he says in vino veritas. <laughs> he, um, he says, uh, do you really think people are going to come back from this? And I felt personally attacked because this felt Ooh. like COVID propaganda. You know, like, mm-hmm. like this is never going to end. I was like, Father Gabriel, lower your tone and watch how you talk to me because I was not prepared for you to yell at me about this kind of thing. No, we're getting through this. This is going to end. And for The Walking Dead, it's a lot less believable. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in the real world right now, it's kind of hard to see that, you know, the, the end of the light at the end of the tunnel for us right now, too. So I don't know if that was a writing choice specifically because of the time that we're in right now, because it felt uh, targeted and hurtful. And I did not enjoy that part. I mean, it 150 percent was because these episodes were written specifically for these times we are living in and because of these times we're living in. So it definitely they're looking right at the They're looking right into the camera and they're saying, yes, you, the viewer. Uh, the world is not built for what it used to be, and you are going to have to adapt to that. And what that means is you got to wear a mask when you go to the Dwayne Reed. And <laughs> <laughs> I, they, they might as well do that because it's definitely it's a very heavy metaphor. And honestly, I just watched an entire season of Star Trek Discovery that kind of did the same thing. So I'm I'm prepared for every every television show in the times we're living in to speak to me on that level. And I'm fine with it. 
Okay, I'm not. So please stop yelling at me, The Walking Dead. You guys, are, <laughs> it's a, it's already a very preachy show. No pun intended with it for the Father Gabriel stands out there. But yeah, for this, I definitely got like someone just stared directly into the camera and said, hey, guess what? You're in this for a long haul. Deal with it. And I was yeah. like, no, <laughs> that's not how my, you know, I don't perceive that. I perceive this thing is almost over and I'm going to keep following my, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, following the social distancing guidelines and wearing my mask. I'm going to get vaccinated. I'm going to be fine. Uh, and this is all going to end. Things are going to be normal. Well, The Walking Dead says, no, you're probably getting, get, get ready for things to not be normal and be okay with it. And I think that was a, like an enlightening part of this episode for me, uh, but I didn't, I didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you want to watch television to escape. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've had to put aside a lot of the television that I watch, honestly, because in the last couple of years, it's just not felt fun to escape into those worlds anymore. And Walking Dead, I'm still here for some reason, but it really, it's like, it's almost when they're giving us lectures about coping with change in the, in, living in difficult times. It's almost like they're gloating, like, look at this. Zombie apocalypse is better than what you're going through. Right. And I'm like, that's mean. <laughs> that's just mean, man. That's how I felt. It's like, you know, how grim is the world where we want to escape into the walking dead to get away from <laughs> what we got going on? Like, would you rather be in a zombie apocalypse? I won't say rather, but I'd give it a shot. You know, like, yeah. let's do it for a day and then come on out after, you know, the episode goes off. So, yeah. Yeah. Didn't love that part at all. No. So anyway, we wake up the next morning and we've got Robert Patrick shows up. So Chappelle, mm-hmm. I got to know you're all, you're quite a bit younger than I am. So you see this guy. Do you have immediately a reaction? Uh, I did have a reaction, but not the kind that you probably think like I would have. I was kind of like staring at him and I, I was like, okay, it looks like a, like a cross between John Voight. And, um, and maybe, uh, who's the guy from Deadpool? Um, Deadpool 2, uh, he played Cable. Oh gosh. Um, did I see dang, Deadpool I can't 2? Think his name. I can't even remember. Uh, I don't remember his name. It'll come to me in a second. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was like a cross between the two of them. And, um, oh, is it Josh, Josh Brolin? Yeah. It oh. was like a cross between those two people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, you know, but that was my reaction. I did not recognize him from anything else. I now know who he is um, because you said his name. But before that, I was like, oh, no, not John Voight was a, a, a badass this episode. Yeah, Dollar store John Voight. No, Costco take- John Voight hanging out in, jo- in the Costco. Okay, fair it. enough. So everybody over the age of 35 looked at that and they're like, oh, my God, it's the T-1000. Oh, and- it's Terminator? Yeah, Terminator. He's uh, wow. from Terminator 2, the best Terminator movie. Mm-hmm. He is the bad guy. He is the have you seen this boy guy. Um, and he also, uh, a reference that might be a little bit more familiar to you, Chappelle. I feel like The Faculty is a movie that's kind of your jam. I do remember The Faculty. I don't remember it well enough to remember who he was. I believe he was the coach, right? Mm-hmm. He um, was the coach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. No, I definitely didn't recognize him from there. I think I'm seeing that he's in True Blood as well. I watched True Blood all the way through and I do not remember him. So I think mm-hmm. this is a good, uh, either a, a tale about, uh, how he's aged or, you know, kudos to the makeup department for making him look almost un- unrecognizable to Chappelle because I missed it. Yeah, I mean, people also know him from the X-Files, I mm-hmm. think. Um, 
but yeah, he is really someone who has aged interestingly because he did really, when he was the T-1000, he kind of felt like he was made out of that liquid metal. He was so like smooth and, um, and he's just gotten more grizzled over the, over the years and sort of become this sort of, you get this old, if you're looking for grizzled and you can't get John Voight, or if John Voight's views are problematic and you really don't want to go there, you can get Robert Patrick. And he rolls up on this and I, I had forgotten. I think I'd heard a rumor that he was going to be in this season or that mm-hmm. he was joining the cast in air quotes. And I, I saw him and I, I kind of shrieked a little bit. So I was, I was excited to see T1000 show up and having as many bullets as the actual T1000 did. Where is he <laughs> getting those bullets? I, Inquiring minds want to know because the only he's reason he's in the Costco, any, yeah, he's in the Costco, I guess. But <laughs> he's going to waste that many bullets ten years into the zombie apocalypse. Uh, I, I didn't love that. That seemed weird because the only reason any any of us have bullets is because Eugene figured out how to make them. Yeah. Uh, do you think he just doesn't come across enough people to care about bullets? Like, because you can imagine, you know, with the game of roulette he's been playing that he doesn't use too many of them often. Mm. And if he's really just got himself locked in that house, you know, he probably doesn't go through so many bullets. He probably has them specifically for uh, gentlemen callers such as our own this time. (laughs) Yeah, he's got really, he only ever needs two bullets. So. Exactly. That lasts a long time, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, he's kidnapped Aaron overnight and taken off his spiky hand. And he just ripped off the man's ball hand. I said, you can't just take someone's ball hand. They need that. Especially Aaron. I don't even remember. Like, like, I just kind of found the logistics of that. Did he just like plop it out? I don't know if it's just kind of forced in there like a hook. Oh, it's a buckle. It's a buckle. Um, And I think he has different attachments. He's got like a Swiss army knife there because, you know, when he's home with Gracie, he doesn't want spiky ball hand. He probably (laughs) wants something more utilitarian. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, I would imagine that if he wasn't passing out drunk, he would probably carefully remove spiky ball hand before he goes to sleep because can you imagine Chappelle like being asleep and having an itch on your face and then spiky ball handing yourself in the face it'd be bad <laughs> it's like that prank where people put the whipped cream in your yes. hand and then they tickle you somebody does that with his spiky ball hand and he just knocks himself out <laughs> <laughs> down goes Aaron <laughs> yeah I, I mean you gotta be real careful that's why you need a lot of different attachments but you know I can see it being really useful to have like a bunch of different things for a variety of situations. But I think when you're out in the zombie world, you want to have spiky ball hand all the time, except Mm -hmm. when you're sleeping. So he is, um, you know, T-1000 has removed the spiky ball hand and put Aaron in a situation. And now he brings up this Russian roulette situation. And we're 45 minutes into the episode at this point. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, so we just had like character, character, character. And now we're going to, we're going to beat you over the head with another crazy person who wants to subject you to his crazy person apocalypse games. And I is having a hard time caring. I got to be honest, even if it is the T-1000. Well, I was kind of internally yelling at the screen. Like, okay, here's the thing. Math wise, like you're probably going to kill each other here. So you have to start thinking of, okay, is there a way out? Am I going to shoot myself in the head to keep this man from shooting me and my friend? And for me, I was kind of wondering once they heard like the chamber load for sure. And they knew, you know, he's like, that's the sound of the, like the bullet being in the chamber. Like, this is the one that's going to do the trick. At what point do they just turn the gun on him and just shoot him? 
Well, and yeah. I was just waiting on that. And it never seemed to could be an option at all. He handed you a gun. You know the bullet is in there because you could hear it. This is your chance. Shoot this man in the head and get up and leave. Um, and they didn't do it. And I was kind of shocked by that. What do you yeah, think was the thought process but not behind not trying to get out of the situation a little bit harder? Well, I can see like the first instinct is that you have to play his game because he's got a gun on you and he's just going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a point where Father Gabriel is like actively preaching to this man and he is paying attention. He's got 100% laser focus on Father Gabriel. At that point, if I'm Aaron, I got to pick up that gun and I just got to point it at him and go click, 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 bang like as many times as it takes. And you got time to do that when he's got his gun turned away from you and he's listening to Father Gabriel. He's distracted. You just got to shoot him. You got to do Seth Green and Austin Powers. Why don't you just get a gun and shoot him? Yeah. And they were two shots into a six shooter. So yeah. you, and then like I said, and they thought they could hear this was the bullet. They, everyone at yeah. the table had like the consensus was this is the one you got one shot, buddy. If Father Gabriel's preaching, you got to prove him right that the world is horrible and I'm one of the horrible people and I got the gun and you didn't screw it up now. And he didn't do it. And I think, honestly, this might speak a lot to Father Gabriel's preaching because he had Aaron drinking the Kool-Aid too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, the world really is full of good people and that this is all sunshine and ra- rainbows. And, and now we're going to get out of this because look at Father Gabriel. Look at his power. Look at his mind, his impact. Only yeah, to find just- out that... Yeah. He just got his mind blown. Like, Aaron's in. He's completely... Like, they're both so absorbed in this moment. Father Gabriel's like, no, the world is not bad. People are good. You are good. This crazy stuff is happening to you, and you're trying to justify it. You're trying to know a reason why. But we don't know why stuff happens, but we know we can be good people throughout it. And everyone's lowering their guns, and this guy's lowering his guard. And he's he's like, oh, my gosh, what a horrible thing I was about to do to y'all people. You've shown me the light, Pastor. You've delivered me. And he goes to untie Aaron. And Father Gabriel has to remind this man that the Bible never said be a sucker. And he <laughs> murdered this man in cold blood. And I mean, to the point where the blood splatters onto Aaron's face as a, a vicious reminder that the Bible said, don't never said, don't be like, be a sucker. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, you put the gun down. But if one of us got to go, baby, it's you. And uh, we, we might have got lucky. And with the Russian roulette, but this will not happen again. You got to go. Yeah. Um, 11th commandment is as famously, (laughs) don't be a sucker. Don't be a sucker. You know, and to Father Gabriel's credit, this man just told you that his own brother turned on him, right? So he's already traumatized by that. But you also have to know that maybe pretty crappy genetics in this family. And so you can't take your, you can't uh, take your chances with this guy because we know his own brother turned on him. So what is he going to do to us? If he gets frustrated in the middle of the night, there goes Aaron's ball hand again. He's going to steal it. So shoot him in the face. Father Gabriel, I think hit him with the ball hand. Mm-hmm. He hit him with the he ball hand. Hit him with the ball hand. Took him right out the game. And Aaron was shocked. Almost Aaron looked at Father Gabriel like, how, like, like a dog was walking on his hind legs. Mm-hmm. Like he had never seen him before. Like, Oh, what is, Oh, well, okay. Aaron was buying it. Aaron, Aaron was not in on this plan whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was like, oh, wow, you, you turned him good and now he can come be with the good people. And Father Gabriel was like, no, he sold out his own brother. Of course, I'm not going to bring him with us. He killed his brother's family. Are you, are you high? And I was like, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Still a little hungover from the night before. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 
Yeah, this was a this was the correct choice. I'm tired of seeing people who do these people wrong get dragged around like pets and like kept and, and integrated back into society. These people are trying to murder you. These are not victimless crimes or like merchandise that was stolen that made that inconvenienced you. This man tried to get you to kill each other or yourselves. He does not get to come back to camp with us. Cause what if he gets annoyed with Judith tomorrow and now he's got her in there playing Russian roulette with uh with uh Glenn Jr. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> but Hershey, like, what? Then what do you do? Like, oh, we sh- we shouldn't have brought him along. No, 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 kidding, stupid. Um, so I have a feeling I, this guy doesn't get past Negan, though. Right, right. Negan, he shows up. They tell him what happened, and Negan's like, "I got him." You know, like, <laughs> I'll take care of him because obviously you have learned nothing from my existence. Um, so <laughs> I'm happy that Father Gabriel did what he needed to do in that moment, and a shame on you, uh, on Aaron, for like not realizing that this was coming because I was waiting on it the whole time. Yeah. And, and it it was so fun. And like, you kind of knew where it was going and you knew like, I mean, on one hand, you're almost thinking like, it's like watching a law and order episode and like the named actor comes in. You're like, oh, wow, Robert Patrick, you're working in the flower shop. I bet you're the murderer because I know who you are. And then it turns out he's murderer, of course, because it's the name actor. And this is one of those situations where it's like, huh, you got somebody that famous joining your cast. Are you going to keep him around? Are they really going to actually do this? And I doubted it for a second there i'm like nope nope i want to see it bring it to me and he brought it brought oh, yeah. a spiky ball hand and it was like but then there's a coda and this i did not expect Chappelle. Mm-hmm. this so, is the part i really did not expect so you didn't expect the finding the other gentleman yeah i did not expect finding oh we just killed you robert patrick but now there's robert patrick again he's a twin it's a twin twist it's like big brother five right Exactly. That's, it was wild. It was wild. Was Robert Patrick, um, his twin, this is the brother that allegedly turned the, like, the, turned the gun on his steal. family. Yeah. What, what did he turn the gun on his family or did he steal from him? Cause he said, he stole, my bro- yeah, I, my they, brother was stealing from me. Is what okay. His- yeah. That's what his, that's what Robert Patrick one's explanation was. My brother was caught stealing from me. And so I made him pay by killing his family, but, then you learn when you meet other Robert Patrick and he is like chained up and forced to like live with the corpses of his dead family. Um, he says to them, he made me play. What does that mean? Robert Patrick one did not kill Robert Patrick two's family. Robert Patrick one made Robert Patrick two play Russian roulette with his family and Robert Patrick two lost the game. Yeah, no, 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 no. Robert Patrick two won the game because he's alive. His family died. His family lost the game. This man, <laughs> you know, the reason why uh Mr. Patrick won feels this way about humanity is that he watched his brother in this same situation that these two strangers are in and his brother chose himself to, <laughs> to an extent. You know, like, the brother could have taken all the bullet. He could have taken the gun, pointed to himself and kept pulling the trigger until it was him. But he either pass that gun to his wife, pass that gun to the child or whoever else. And then he made it out. He should have died in that interaction. Mm -hmm. If he was a good person from Robert Patrick's, you know, perspective, he should not be here. If there was only two bullets, Uh, at least one of them should be in him being that he is the father and the husband in that relationship. Right. When the gun goes to him as a good person, I guess from Robert Patrick's point of view, he would have, you know, turned it on himself. Mm -hmm. So you it's know? not that he lost the game, it's that he failed the test. 
He failed the test. Are you a good person? Because we saw when Aaron was in that same situation, Aaron has a child at home, um, but he did not point the gun at, um, at Father Gabriel. He pointed him to himself and he cried and he got ready to pull the trigger and then was stopped at the last second. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that he was not going to survive it. And we know that had Father Gabriel had the opportunity, he wouldn't have survived it either. Both of them mm-hmm. would have shot themselves as opposed to shoot the other ones. And the fact that Robert Patrick's brother did not, I think, went a, went a long way into describing, you know, his view on humanity at that time. Yeah, I get it. If you watch somebody do that, you're going to be pretty upset. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I personally would rise to the level of chain them in the basement with their dead family upset. But, you know, it was. I can see where that would be scarring, but also maybe don't do that in the first place. Like, don't make people play Russian roulette. This is a public service announcement. Don't do it. I don't care if it's zombie apocalypse. Don't make people play Russian roulette, even if they steal your food. Like, find some other way. Like, ground them. Take away their tablet. Just, like, who does that? It's it's already messed up. Yeah. It's messed up from the beginning. It's, like, inherently messed up. And there's, I see why we spiky ball handed this guy, because there's no redemption from somebody that thinks it's fun to play Russian roulette. He had to go. Now, was there redemption available for Robert Patrick the uh, second for a twin? Probably Patrick? not. Probably not. <laughs> not after he's been. Yeah. Not after twin Patrick has been chained up in the basement with his dead family for that for 10 years. I'm going to say no. There's yeah. no like the very first thing he's going to do when um, when people come and they have a gun, is he's going to turn it on himself. Like, that's just like, oh, I should have done this years ago. Yeah. Look, my crucial error was not killing myself when I had the chance because now I've had to suffer for years with my crazy brother and the corpses of my loved ones because I did not just shoot myself the first time. Because in theory, one of those loved ones would still be alive if there was only two bullets. Um, And both of them were dead. So there you go. Um, So, yeah, when I saw Robert Patrick the second, I was just like, oh, that's a that's a interesting plot twist. I wasn't prepared for that. But when I saw him do what he did, I was like, yeah, duh, you probably should have did it already. So, um, yeah, I mean, you yeah. knew that guy wasn't coming either. It oh, yeah. was, he, but it was mm-hmm. like, it's like the worst M. Night Shyamalan twist ever. The, are you sure it's the worst one? Because not to spoil Lady in the Water, but when that bird <laughs> shows up at the end and just, never mind. Um, <laughs> I had that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> just say a bird shows up at the end. That's all. Um, yeah, I, it was one of those moments where even if they thought they were going to rescue this guy and take him back, why would you? We know he has crazy genetics. We just talked about this. So um, I think it was just a matter of time before um, the, that was the end of the Patricks on The Walking Dead. Yep, that is fair. So I have some small points that I wanted to bring up. I saw a very, very interesting um theory on the internet that I wanted to talk about um, as far as what we've seen in these last three episodes. And I think this is a really dumb theory, but I it would also be kind of brilliant. And I'm not sure if I want this to be the thing that's happening or if I don't want this to be the thing that's happening. So is it possible that every character we've seen in every bottle episode is having encounters with somebody who is a member of this Reaper's like huh. we meet the Reapers, then we meet somebody that we don't really know who her people are, and she takes off. We don't know what happened to her. She could either be a Reaper because she talks about her military stuff, or she has become victim of the Reapers. And then this guy could it doesn't seem to me like he's a very social animal, so I'm not gonna I kind of feel like maybe he's not a member of any kind of group. 
Mm -hmm. You'd be a little bit, have a little bit better manners if that were the case. But (laughs) it's like maybe each one of these people, like it's building to something and each one of these people has some connection to this bigger group. But also I feel like that requires more than a year's worth of planning in advance. So I thought it was an interesting theory. I don't know that I subscribe to it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. No one's mentioned them until since the first episode of these bottle episodes, right? Like we yeah. talked about them the first time, and then like I thought it was going to come up with the lady uh, that Daryl met, right? I thought yeah. like at some point they were going to talk about how she might be a reaper, which I mean she could be. We know she disappears, but this guy is probably the person I I believe it from the let the least because he doesn't seem to be acting with anybody. He doesn't survive the episode and they don't give us enough of his backstory to know if he was ever a part Mm -hmm. of something. Now they could easily shoehorn him into that position by saying we sent someone looking for him or, you know, maybe they wake up the next morning and the radio is, you know, there's somebody on the radio trying to get in touch with this guy. Um, So we could force it, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily uh, fits. If they wanted it to fit, it could, but for me, they don't have to, they don't have to play with that. Yeah. Again, I think we can, we're just going to lift these six episodes out of the continuity and they're not, nothing that happens here is going to matter again. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought an interesting touch that I didn't buy, um, when they first go into the basement where Robert Patrick II is, uh, Father Gabriel is like, wow, it smells really bad in here. But it's like, come on, it's a zombie apocalypse. Doesn't everything smell like that at this point? Like, how are you still shocked at the smell of rotting flesh? It must have been worse than worse than normal. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. They walk around stepping over bodies and viscera and mud and, you know, like mm-hmm. dead corpses all the time. Like, this is not a new occasion. Matter of fact, they spend all their time going into abandoned buildings that I imagine smell pretty bad. There are buildings mm-hmm. right now in our world that smell pretty bad and they're not yep. abandoned. And so, and, you know, they haven't had people die in them and they smell pretty funky and so for me yeah this is a kind of like a stretch of the imagination like they want us to be, and be in the moment and be invested in the scene right like yeah. oh my god it smells bad so you're like oh imagine in the smell but what they don't understand is that i imagine them to all smell like that all the time yeah. that's why whenever they have sex on this show i am disgusted because i'm <laughs> like you guys there cannot be i don't care what your primal reaction to people is and that you like like must must procreate you know like like caveman-esque i don't care Cause I was looking at, I look at cavemen like they're crazy. Why was this appealing to you at any point? Like at some point I look, I'll just, I'll just be celibate forever. Like I'll, I'll, I'll practice abstinence because I cannot deal with the stench of people. And I don't want to touch anybody who's disgusting. Who hasn't taken a bath. And so these people have just kind of been able to suspend that. But if something smells really bad, you know, like rotten flesh, then it really disgusts them. So, yeah, I, we have different levels of um, squeamishness. And I am on the other end of the the spectrum from, you know, Father Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, that is fair. But I think if you smell something long enough, it's just kind of in your nostrils all the time. You get used to it like anything bad. Um, I've been on the New York City subway and I've been in the smelly car and not really had a chance to move. Um, if I, if you get in the smelly car at 59th street and you're going all the way up to 125th and you don't have a chance to get into a different car, you do get used to it. By the time you roll into 125th, it's not really the smelly car anymore. You could deal with it. So I, I buy it, but I also, I, I don't feel like this would smell any worse than anything else. I think it all kind of like, there's a baseline, your baseline tolerance goes up over time. Mm-hmm. So unless the theory is that. I didn't really see the bathroom situation there. Mm-hmm. And if he's been in one spot for 10 years and they don't oh, let him out God. to go to the bath. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Woo. I was, 
Hadn't thought about that, Jess. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's so gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> Look, this is a gross show, dude. No, you're right. He did this to his brother because his brother tried to steal food from him. Mm-hmm. His brother didn't attack really him. Food. Right. His like, brother what, didn't attack what, him. He just tried to steal no. the beans. What is better than $2,000 whiskey that this guy was trying to steal? Maybe it was the $2,000 whiskey. Oh, maybe. maybe. He didn't get he away called with it. it f- he called it food, but what he meant is like, no, I have this really, really expensive bottle of whiskey at home, and uh, my brother tried to play me, and I've been looking for this whiskey across the states, and I could not find him, and I finally found this whiskey. It's my pride and joy. I don't have a family. He does. I want this whiskey, and he has the nerve to try to take it, too. And, you know, maybe it's some um, twin psyche. You know, maybe they're just mm. he's just tired of sharing everything with this guy, and this was the last straw um, because... It just seemed like a very violent crime to have against your brother that you spent your entire life with, you know, based off of stealing some food. But, you know, um, on an episode of Survivor, Big Tom once, you know, threatened to lynch someone over some beans, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And that that. wasn't okay either. Not great. (laughs) Not Not great. (laughs) Not great. So here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Um, So we decided that we don't subscribe to the we met a reaper every episode theory, but. We saw a lot of zombies and skeletons that are clearly the victims of crimes in interesting new ways. Um, we know that the Reapers like to burn stuff down. Do we think like maybe the first family of skeletons we saw, are those meant to be victims of the Reapers? I thought about that a little bit because they were burnt and we didn't know who had been doing this. So they didn't give mm-hmm. us a lot of like they don't give us a lot of world to play with. Right. Like it could be literally anyone mm-hmm. or it could be someone we know. If it's someone we know, then it makes more sense and we're more invested. If it's literally anyone, is this person going to be someone who plays a larger part in the universe? Or is this person going to get a spike ball handed it to the face? <laughs> like, so yeah. I, we don't know. It could be the Reaper, but they would then have to explain that to us in one of these future bottle episodes. When is a good time to say, oh, yeah, remember that one thing that Father Gabriel and Aaron did that the rest of you guys don't know about, but that we knew about? Yeah, that was yeah. us. You know, so it's like, I don't know. I doubt it. Just because it would just, they you would think they would have brought that up, mm-hmm. you know, at some point throughout the episode. Or they would have signed their work. Like, it would just say, like, there'd be a big R written in the ashes or something like that. I, I don't yeah. know. They, they usually, don't have a calling card. Yeah, I, we would like to see it. Yeah, they usually have to shoehorn that stuff in and, and make sure we know about it. But mm-hmm. it is really funny that you mention, like, we're going to all be sort of privy to this thing that happened with Aaron and Father Gabriel in the future, because it reminds me of the way that Fear the Walking Dead spent an entire season winking and nodding at at an entire season that they didn't even film. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, all that stuff that happened while we lived at the baseball diamond. It's like, we didn't see any of that. You didn't show it to us. You didn't film it. I want to know about it. And yet you're just going to kind of be like, yeah, the thing with stuff in the place. I, I hate it when this show does that. I hate it when this franchise is like, yeah, we're just going to pretend you know about this. So it's nice that they're actually giving us one of these things that people that didn't watch this chunk of episode in the future, we're going to know, oh, yeah, that's what they're talking about. And they're not going to know. I'm going to feel better about that. Yeah, it's just going to suck if they do decide, you know, this is something you should have held on to. Like, really? Because yeah. you didn't give us any other content we should hold mm-hmm. on to. But now we have to like, oh, yeah, if you miss, uh, you know, the, the the tail end of this season, then you would have missed this iconic moment between <laughs> Gabriel and Aaron that, you know, moves the story into this realm and shows that, you know, I don't know. What do you, what can you do with this information? So you, you hope that it plays off to something, but at the same time, you hope that like, 
no, I hope that it's something that I don't have to care about because it doesn't seem to matter right now. And I don't want to have to like hold on to some breadcrumbs and not the other ones. Right. We this this shows a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's how they here's how they work this into the continuity. Chappelle, I figured it out. Hear me out. Robert okay. Patrick Triplett. OK, we got action. I like this. So See, I Robert, fixed it. I didn't even have to Reaper. try. I fixed yes. it. Yes. He's the Reaper. He's coming back to check on his two brothers. He knows that he left them together with their families several years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, He knows that they love each other dearly and they would never turn on each other. (laughs) But he comes out to find one of them spike ball handed, one of them shot. And you think, who did this? And then he sees like, I don't know, Father Gabriel's collar or something like that on the ground. (laughs) Like it was a man of the cloth. And then he goes on his like hunt to find Father Gabriel or, you know, whatever. And then he finds them and he's like, and they see a face and then it's like, it all dawns on them that there was a third guy. Like, who took the picture? You know, like, <laughs> like there were three people in the photo, not two. You know, and then that's when they realize, like, this is the one. He's the head of the Reapers. He's the one who knocks. Um, and he has his trusty sidekick, um, Lady with Dog from last episode. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe they were, maybe they were romantically involved. And lady mm-hmm. with dog, like maybe this is the love triangle that we're that we're waiting for. Yeah, and he's like, "Wait, is that dog?" And dog runs up with Daryl, and dog like tackles him, like is so happy to see his new his, his, his old owner. Yeah, yeah. like not dog. And Daryl's heart is crushed, and his his old boo is over there with him too. Yes, let's spice it mm-hmm. up. Let's do it. Oh yeah, reality. yeah. Let's do this. I I like this. We, I love the mess. Let's get into it. <laughs> oh, hashtag Robert Patrick Triplet. We're here for it. We want it. <laughs> we want it so badly. Oh man, that's great. Um, someone messaged me on Twitter and asked if we were robbed of Heath being the guy in the mask. You know, when mm. Robert Patrick is revealed, he's standing. He's a dark, shadowy figure in the corner, and um. What have this? He had stepped forward, and it had been Heath. And I was like, "Now, someone who we actually know has come back to us, and will play a larger part in this world." Yeah, I, I'm still waiting for the return of Heath. I might be waiting a long time, but maybe he, maybe he went to wherever we're going to go next week. I feel like that's a possibility for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm I, there's so many loose ends. They're just leaving out there just in case they need something later. And I, yeah. I'm i waiting for one of those loose ends to come back and we could be moralizing it up anytime. Yeah, this is it's hard though. Cause you wondered like, do we ever get Heath back? And if we do, do we need him? But if we don't, <laughs> do we care? And if we do care, why did y'all make us care? Right? Like, why do you make us care? And then he never gets a proper send off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, in Game of Thrones terms, you know, like uh, Gendry just like rolls out into the into the op- into the open river to like never be seen again, only to be seen again. You know, and you're like, oh, that makes sense because we know that he was alive at one point. We didn't see him die, so he's probably alive. And if you take that that you know that uh, rule of thumb that people apply to television and movies is that you do, you know you didn't see them die, so there's a good chance that they're coming back. You take that and apply it to The Walking Dead, you might be disappointed because there's so many breadcrumbs out in so little time that it's kind of like, how are we going to get all these people back to where they have a satisfying send off for some of these people that we've invested so much episode into? Like, I have to believe that Aaron and Father Gabriel are here for the long haul because we just wasted an entire episode and one of them dies, I'm going to be pissed. And so I need like 
I'm invested in this these this pair. They might not ever work together again. From Aaron's standpoint, he might want to hold on to Father Gabriel tight because uh, he clearly can make the decisions that you're not able to make. You're a little bit, uh, uh, you're not as uh, steadfast as Father Gabriel is. Um, but uh, I need something to come from this. And so I don't want them to just like die as father in the first episode or just get shot in the head randomly. I, I want this to matter. And uh, I'm not sure everybody does matter. So I wonder why The Walking Dead keeps doing this to us. Well, I think, I think Chappelle, we just have to, we have to stick with the idea that the people on the poster matter. Maybe nobody else does. That's good. Yeah. Cause that poster was random, but also mm-hmm. it has not been wrong yet. It has not missed. Um, so, you know, like you said, the Eugene and princess are coming soon. And then I believe that wraps up the poster. Is that everybody on the poster? Mm, we have, we have, we're three episodes deep. We got six episodes. So there's three more episodes. We might be going back to somebody. I don't know. I would like to at some point get all these people in the same spot. That would be nice. Um, because otherwise, yeah, we just kind of would have been poster hopping. Uh, but I think I'm looking for it now. I think it's still, yeah, I think that's it. I think they're the last two. So yeah, you wonder if we're going to get like maybe some episodes of them reuniting, maybe, uh, interacting across storylines a little bit. Um, Still, still bottle episodes, but just different combinations. Oh, we forgot one, Chappelle. There's Uh-oh. one question mark episode, but we know that the sixth episode is Negan. So, oh, of course, Negan's the last person on the poster. There's okay. one in there that I don't know what that one's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. We could be giving. We got four people on the poster unaccounted for. They could like be giving us two episodes of that. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because I was looking in the poster. Like I said, it hasn't missed yet. But Mm -hmm. at some point, you're like, okay, well, do we get these people in one timeline moving together? Or is it always going to be bottle episodes into the finale? Yeah. Well, Chappelle, there's one more thing I want to throw out there um, Mm -hmm. in my notes. because, And also, you yourself can cover your ears and go la 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 for a second. um, And I don't have the comic book zone music here. So I'm just going to pretend, like, pretend you just heard Despacito with comic book zone in it. And everybody else, skip ahead one minute if you do not want to be spoiled about something that happens in the comics. But the very last scene of this episode, Father Gabriel and Aaron are walking and they're like, one more thing. We're going to do one more thing. Let's go to that water tower over there. Mm -hmm. So Father Gabriel and water towers in the comics is bad. It's real bad. Oh, no. Do you think... he might be getting his death. They've kind of shown other people getting his very gross death in like they showed somebody, they didn't show anybody actually having that death, but somebody like had had that death clearly. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they are like kind of nudging the comic fans, like, Hey, look what we did here. And, or if they're really like full on planning to give him the full water tower treatment. I don't know. Anyway, mm. if you skipped ahead, you can stop skipping now. I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but that's out there. Okay. Do you think that's a red herring? I think like, it's kind of like a wink and a nod, but also not, you know, full water tower. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing that the show does is they take these set pieces from the comics and they put them in live action mode. And like, mm-hmm. it was really fun when I was reading the comics alongside binge watching the first few seasons of the show. It was really fun to see, like, 
oh, that's an actual panel from the comics. And they legit just filmed it from that angle with those people. And I love that stuff. So this is really along those lines. And I think it's nice that they remember that there are comic readers out there. Yeah, sure. that's pretty uncomfortable for me, though. Uh, and here's why. Not, okay. I don't have any envy toward the comic book readers because I know that this is frustrating kind of having all these ideas of what is going to happen based off of what you've read mm-hmm. and then some of it being like right like bar for bar correct and then other you know stuff being a departure and so you kind of like sometimes you feel like you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on and then other times you feel like ah they're playing with the source material a little too much um but the reason why it makes me uncomfortable is because the the only thing that I have of comic book comic book knowledge uh, that is plastered into my head as the image of Glenn with his eyeball popping out of his mm-hmm. socket. And that went straight from the comic straight onto my television screen. So when yep. you tell me something is out of the comic book, I have to raise my eyebrow because for me, that is the moment that uh, changed the game. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> but again, if I'm, if you're building up this character for such a downfall, I'm hoping that they're not two miles away from it. Um, because at the end of this episode, we see they're looking at the water tower and that's their next stop. Do they make it there before the finale or is this the end of maybe some, one of our characters at this point because they've reached the water tower? Is this something that we would be saving for the final season? I just don't know. And we have a couple episodes to play with, but then we have a whole other season to deal with as well. Um, so it makes me, uh, I have a little trepidation. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, okay, not feeling great about the water tower as it stands currently. Yeah. I don't think anything that they, again, this is filler. There's nothing they're going to show us here that means a lot unless they take the scene and show it to you again in season 11. I think that's mostly, they're just sort of like, Hey, we remember you comic book readers, which is nice. It's nice to be remembered. And honestly, I don't ever feel disappointed by this show's departures from the comics because it's like getting to read it all over again. You get to know what happens, but then they're going to do it a different way. And mm-hmm. it's they're sometimes they're going to come back to the comics and sometimes they're going to go away from the comics. And there's stuff like, okay, Carl's death on the show, that came out of nowhere for me because I was like, Carl is such an integral part of the comics for the rest of the run. They can't kill Carl. Carl's the man. And then they killed him. And I was just like, I was blown away by it. So you can still be surprised if you're a comic book reader. You can just also sometimes feel seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I saw that a little bit with the, you know, with the uh, discourse around the Glenn death as well. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so they were, you feel satisfied. Like, okay, I knew this was coming. I feel like you saw me, you recognize that I've been waiting on this moment because I knew it was going to happen. Even though it might be gruesome, I still knew it was happening. Kind of feel satisfied in that moment. And then they throw a wrench into the plan and kill Abraham too, you know? And so it's like, oh, you even wanted to shock them. Um, I knew, I just want to go on record. I've said this before. I knew it was Abraham. From the moment the episode ended, that day, I knew it was Abraham. Because mm-hmm. I was like, who could we dis- who could we get rid of right now where it would be impactful, but also you could get over it? I knew it was him. I knew Glenn was going to, but I knew it was Abraham. Mm. Oh my God. I felt so seen and vindicated when it was him. <laughs> and I feel so bad for that because I was very happy to see him die, just so I could be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think Josh Wiggler gets some props here too, because I believe he drafted Abraham first in the Negan draft, and he gets some credit for that as well. Yeah, let's take, we'll give it to Josh too. I feel really good about that. Even though it was such a gruesome moment, 
I just, I knew, I knew it in my soul. I was just like, he's, it just from a casting perspective, he got to go. And so um, I was like, what does he really bring it to the table? Like, this is cute for him, the Sasha thing. This is cute, but whatever. Like, we, let's off him so we can give the, make the Glenn thing a bigger surprise than it is. It was, and I think it worked. That might be the last time I think like a big death reveal has worked on this show. Cause all the rest of them has got kind of feeling like par for the course. Mm-hmm. I know you said the, um, the, the Carl thing was pretty shocking, but it's on like, spikes. Come on, man. Yeah. Heads on spikes. That, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one, too. I think, yeah, I still think that moment with the coming back from the break and no, and finding out who died is kind of like, you know, that's pretty iconic. If The Walking Dead has nothing else, they can hang their head on some of the comic book deaths that have uh, mm-hmm. rang true across, you know, the other medium onto the television. Yeah. All right. That's. Yeah. And I think they when they come back to the comics, I think. When they turn back to the comics after they realize they've gone too far off the rails, I think the show gets good again. That's that's my feeling on it. But I think this is a good time to close the book on what we're doing here, Chappelle, unless there's anything else you wanted to point out about this episode. Uh, No, not really. Uh, Like I said, it, for me, it was pretty entertaining because it, it made sense. Like the, the through line of the episode made sense. We we're trying to get Pastor Gabriel to realize the power of his preaching and that people need faith, people need hope, and people need some, sometimes to, to believe in something. And we saw Father Gabriel struggle with that, but we also saw Father Gabriel be able to uh, tap into a part of himself that we don't see often, which is the preacher side, the pastor side, the father side. Um, and so we got to see that a little bit. And then we also got to see that Father Gabriel ain't no sucker. And so mm-hmm. for me, it told it told a story. For a bottle episode, I think it might, might, might be one of my favorite ones so far of the three. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I didn't hate it. And uh, I enjoyed the ride a little bit. I just wish that it would play a bigger part um, in my overall enjoyment of the show. Because this could have been an email. <laughs> I think they all could have been emails. In fact, mm-hmm. they probably all were at some point. It's like, when we start up at season 11 again, we'll just remember that this thing happened. Oh, no, now we have to make an episode about it. Sure. Yeah, I did. It was a small story. It was a well-told story. It didn't necessarily break the mold, but it was, I I appreciated the kind of smaller moment. It was shot kind of like a stage play. I really liked that. Um, I thought that was a great aspect of it, but yeah, it's fine. I, for an episode we watched, that was definitely one more. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So Chappelle, what else are you up to lately? I am. I had to think about it. I was like, (laughs) I am currently doing the reality rewind still with Rob. We finally got our first reality TV show under our belts um, for the rewind this week. Um, Well, this past week, we did um, Battle of the Network Reality Stars, where we talked about some of the most iconic figures in 2000s reality shows as it stood at that time. So we talked about a little bit of the real world, some amazing racers that you're familiar with, of course, mm-hmm. Jess, and some uh, other characters that I know you're familiar with, too, because you, like I, have spent too much time watching television uh, and these people specifically. So it was a fun uh, little run through. I don't know if it's going to be the next, you know, big rewatch, but I'm excited to get into some of the other ones. So this Thursday, I believe we'll be recording, uh, Jenny Autumn and I will be recording a, uh, reality rewind rewatch with Rob about Beauty and the Geek. Oh, and so, yes. So we will be trying to see if it holds up 
if uh, anybody from Beauty and the Geek has uh, remained a beauty and or a geek and or have leveled up or where these people are doing now, you know, whatever. We're trying to we're going to dive into all of the things Beauty and the Geek episode one or whatever episode we decide on uh, on Thursday. Uh, then, of course, uh, still watching Big Brother Canada currently. Uh, I don't think I have any recaps to do, but last Wednesday I got to talk about it with Mari and Taryn, and it was a good time. And then uh, this Sunday, I think I'm recording an episode of Renap. Uh, oh, I believe good on arriving arriving Akiva Nita podcast. Uh, I don't know what episode we're on, but I believe this is bracket season, so I am joining them for a bracket of some sort. So I'm around still, you know, just hanging out. Jess, I was very happy to listen to our uh, our post show recap of Can't mm. Hardly Wait. Oh, so good, so so good. Yeah, it was <laughs> great. So it was much. really fun. We had yes. we had a really great time doing that, and you know. You all out there in listener land could be listening to it as well. It could be in your ears this very minute if you sign up to be a patron of Post Show Recaps. And that is just one of the many patron perks you get. At every level, you get roughly three new podcasts in your special patron-only feed a week that is exclusive content, not available on the main channels. But you also can get access to the patron-only Discord where they play Dungeons & Dragons. We have an ongoing Brant Steel tournament in which I think right now, um, Lil Sebastian and Elmo and Cookie Monster are forming a final three alliance in a retelling of Survivor Pearl Islands. I guess something like that <laughs> is happening. Um, that's the levels of insanity that has gone to. And we also have a book club. We, um, you know, we swap recipes. We talk about everything that's going on in our lives. And it's a really wonderful, crazy community of people that has just kind of sprung up out of nothing and, when you join, we will make you feel welcome and make you feel like you've been in on the joke the whole time. So patron discord is really the best advertisement I can give you to become a patron, but there's also a merch tier. You can get a Wiggler's Wombat's hat every three months for the rest of your life if you want one, or you can get other exclusive post show recap swag, some of which I am designing as we speak. So that's that's a whole thing you can do. Uh, if you want to support us, keep the lights on here at post show recaps, go to patron patreon.com slash postshowrecaps, postshowrecaps.com slash patron. It's good stuff. All right. So Chappelle, you and I will be here next week um, with whatever is coming next. Um, I'm sure it's not going to be Eugene meeting his internet girlfriend because that would be too easy. And again, nothing we're watching right now matters, which is kind of what makes it fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I look forward to it um, for the people who have are listening to this and have decided to not follow me on Twitter. God bless you. But if you uh, wish to do so, you can follow me at Chappelle's underscore show, uh, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L-S underscore show on Twitter, where I am probably tweeting nonsense. Uh, Jess, do you have any updates or anything new coming up? Any uh, Tough as Nails updates that you want to let us in on? Um, We do Tough as Nails every week, the day after it airs. We record. Sometimes Phil Kogan stops by. And it is a generally inoffensive and entertaining program. So... If that's up your alley, it's a real family-friendly fair. Watch the show, listen to the podcast. It's good stuff. Um, so that's mainly the other thing I'm doing. I have a couple of other guest slots on podcasts coming up in the near future. Nothing carved in stone yet, but when that happens, I will let you guys know. So you can follow me on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie, and we love to hear from you. So please drop us your wacky theories about when we're going to meet the secret Robert Patrick triplet. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can also tweet at Post Show Recaps. And 
they are happy to hear from you as well. Um, so with all that, I think there's nothing else we need to do here. I want to thank Chappelle for being with me here as always. Um, and thank you to listeners and we'll see you next week. Don't be no sucker. Ha, 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 ha.